it's helpful when they do a big record memo <laughs> button that's like the size of the screen. Oh, that one, okay. Maybe, maybe other people were using the app and were like, oh, how do I record? Like, the, the half the screen red button wasn't significant. Once we've stretched it across the whole of the bottom with a big record memo, people now, like me, have gone, oh, this is how it finally works. We can finally record talks at church. I've just been pressing the wrong things all along and having to record it at home, but telling no one. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Catch a bit, yeah, yeah. My wife caught the laughter clips and stuff like that. And the booze. No, well, they... I've been at the studio making it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bring it up, bring it up. I, 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 was, I was going out, finding random people in the street. Could you laugh? Oh, thank you, yeah, cool. That doesn't sound like Justino. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, this does not work but um, all is right in the world there is now a record button that is adequately sized I don't know who was struggling with the last one but thank god for updates of apps who would survive without them don't, that's the, I think that's my biggest peeve of this week actually is updates on apps and they do that thing where if you don't update it eventually you can't use the app anymore and you're like you just want to grab them and physically hurt whoever makes those decisions I just leave it as it was I don't want your update I feel like you've ruined it I want to go back in time I can't go back in time and you know the worst part is the information what's new on the update Fix bugs yeah, yeah. I didn't see no bugs on the screen yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. it's always worked for me like what are people doing to these apps that they need these bugs fixed it's like yeah so they do all this fixing of bugs yet they'll leak your entire iCloud storage system for free so yeah cool today we are this is when you know I'm tired when like small children can count this high we're on week five for five struggling to get that out week five of the just we Jesus um, series. Um, today's a pretty cracking one, actually. It's um, yeah, it's a great just we. So we're in John's Gospel, chapter eleven. Struggling with numbers today. That's not a good sign. Um, so we'll just take it straight from the top because um, the whole chapter is pretty much banging. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Reference, not with marijuana. It's always important to emphasize that when reading the Bible, because some people go home like, man, this Jesus dude, he was, he was smashed all the time. And um, that can be a bit misleading. We don't condone marijuana in this church. Except for medicinal purposes, <laughs> advised by doctors. Yeah, yeah. And you want to go back there. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours 
in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he's going to wake up. Like, why are you risking your life for this? This is not great. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, done though, busting out AKAs in, in the middle of the verse, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. I love that about Thomas. I just think that's one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That's basically like, let's not, oh, no point in dying on his own, is there? You know, <laughs> might as well die together. <laughs> one big happy group. Nice upbeat message, full of joy, faith and hope for the future. The impending doom. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Now, the thing about console them, um, this is basically what they were doing in their culture, is when someone died to make them feel extra value, they wouldn't just have like the friends and family around mourning, they would pay people to come and be like they'd pay like it's like acting so people who never knew him would just go mental and kind of grieve so it was just part of what they did so there was like loads of like side man side chicks just mourning at the side um, which is where side people go Um, so basically that's why it it talks about this, this group of people coming that have been there to mourn so Martha, so Mary Main, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am, je suis, the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in her house, consoling her, the side men, side women who were paid to mourn, Mary rise, saw Mary rise quickly and go, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So they're going to make the big scene that they're paid to do. Um, now, when Mary came to see where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. So like he's part of the entourage and all the, all the, all the hype. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, by this time, 
there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with the linen stripes and his face wrapped with the cloth Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go many of the Jews therefore who had come with Mary had seen what he did believed in him but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said what do we do for this man performs many signs if we let him go on like this everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation but one of them Caiaphas was the high priest that year said to them you know nothing at all nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people that the whole nation should perish he did not say his own accord but being the high priest that year he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and only for the nation only but also to die in and um, to gather into one the children of God who were scattered abroad so from that day they made plans to put him to death I love this story of Lazarus because as I read through it, what I notice more than anything else is he hears that Lazarus is sick. You hear when he weeps and when he cries and he's moved, the shortest verse of the whole Bible, Jesus wept. And you see that he loved him, he cared about him. Yet when he heard he was sick, he chilled out. He stopped. He took his sweet time. And Lazarus dies. Jesus intentionally waits for Lazarus to die. Intentionally. Deliberate. Let's Lazarus die. He's been going different places. Healing the sick. Doing all these different types of things when we read the Gospels. Time and time again, he's there in the nick of time. He just brings around this this change. But in Lazarus' case, he... He waits for it to hit absolute ground zero. And the whole time he is adamant that this is an opportunity where God's glory is going to be displayed. When I think about that, and I think about myself, and I think about other people I've met, I see that to be so unbelievably true. I have seen, and I knew a young boy who I met at a church when I was in my early teens, who um, was out of his brother one night, walking back from somewhere. A whole gang of boys are there walking the other way. The other boys want to have some fun, so they think it'd be cool just to beat someone up. They punch him straight in the nose, and his nose shatters, splat. He's unconscious. They beat him and beat him and drag him into the middle of the road, a mile from my house. It's a motorway. It's over a, a dip. And the car's bombed down there so fast. They leave him unconscious in the road and a car comes flying over the top, hits him, drags him down the road. And by the time his parents get to the hospital, he's dead. And their son is taken from them like that. Gone. And when I hear their story, I can't help but think like Lazarus. And how Jesus just waits and takes his sweet time. And it's so painful and it's so hard that when you see it, but 
God's glory is going to come out of it. I didn't even know this guy I met had been killed. I didn't know he'd been murdered. I didn't even know those boys, a couple of them went to prison. I didn't know any of that until one day I'm managing a Christian bookshop and this couple come in. They start telling me about their son and I realize I know their son. And I didn't even know he was gone. And then they start to tell me how they pretty much divorced. And then they got back together again. And then they told me that friends of mine that I grew up with, Christians, had them around their house and were praying for them the day that happened, the next day that happened, praying for them. And they were wanting to tell God where he can shove his Jesus. And they were going through all this kind of stuff and he'd grown up with the craze, this man. And he was like, that's it. I'm going to kill every one of these boys. I'm going to kill their families. What they've done to me, this rage, this anger filled. And then he starts to, the whole story takes a twist. And he said while he was at my friend's house and they were praying for him and he wants to kill someone, he's just feeling God's presence. And he's, he's feeling peace. And he said that they were told by these counsellors that sat them down and said it will be X amount of time before you can even laugh again after experiencing such shock and tragedy. He says, now we were the next day's laughing in the spirit of God, just laughing, laughing. He says, you understand the anger, the rage, the pain I felt. And then it's just like God is there with us in it. And he just, he just brought this healing and it got remarried. And they go around prisons all around this country teaching on forgiveness. They've met the boys that killed their son and forgiven them. And then when I look at the story of Lazarus, and I look at their story and I look at my story and I realize something. There are moments in your life when you get to the point when you're like, God, if only you'd been here sooner, my life would be so much better right now. If only you had been here at this time, I wouldn't have to go through this now. But he says to them time and time again in this passage, we're here because God's glory is going to be made known. And sometimes if you don't experience death, you don't experience resurrection. And Jesus wants them in the midst of this most gruesome, horrible, painful, sensitive, vulnerable time in their life. He wants them to experience something of eternal worth. Not something you can buy somewhere. Not something that anyone can give you in an experience ride that you go on. It's not something you can have until you know what it's like to die. Not just physically, but emotionally, sometimes spiritually. Sometimes stuff happens to us that violates us, that robs us, that steals us. And it's there that Jesus wants us to believe. I am the resurrection and the life. And that if you believe in me, you won't perish, you won't life, but you'll have something eternal that no one can buy anywhere else. Where your son can be murdered and you can forgive and embrace and write to and care for the very guy who killed your son. That you can look at the nation and see there are families hurting, but I'm not just going to reach the families that suffer. I'm going to reach the families of those who are killing and robbing people of their children over drugs and stupidity. That I'm going to love the guys in the prison who also are dying inside because they've taken things a step too far where they've done something and they're robbed of who they are because Jesus is the resurrection of life. I was sitting at work and we were having this get together and everyone's round in a circle and they're talking about why do you do what you do? And half the room just peed themselves laughing when I was asked the question because I was like, I do what I do because I want to be in a position where I can see people experience resurrection. Because I want to be in a place where I see someone dead in their situation and experience something new. 
And they, they found that hilarious. I don't know why they found it hilarious, but you know what? I didn't even care. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't disappointed because I'm about resurrection. And if you're not about resurrection, I don't care. That's cool. That's you. And then when I asked, they asked the question with this strategic thing where they wanted to think about the company. What do we do? Why do we do it? How do we do it? And as I asked those three questions about City Hill and about this as a church, what do we do? Resurrection. Why do we do it? Resurrection. How do we do it? Resurrection. There isn't any other answer. That's all there is. I don't come here and do this week in, week out because, like, for me, I don't. Well, I do. I do this so I can be alive again. But I do this because all of us, and even the Sundays, if there's just two of us here and we record it, do you know what happens? 288 different countries have listened to the talks online. There could be some guy that Muslim countries have been listening in as well. Even places I never thought would, they listen in. And I don't know what resurrection someone is experiencing the other side of the world because we decided to meet in a restaurant today and have a chat about who Jesus is. But who Jesus is can determine who we become. And what I want to encourage us with today, that it may not be relevant to us right now, but it will be relevant to us at some point. Because there comes a day when you encounter and stare death in the face. And it may not be the death that Lazarus experienced, but if you don't believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that moment can kill the rest of your life. Because when your son is murdered like theirs was, your life is over. It's over. If you don't encounter God's forgiveness and Jesus' resurrection, your life's done. It's done. What else is there for my friends to go and do? Where do they go where they, they don't feel that anymore? Where do you go when doctors tell you you can't have kids? Where do you go? You can't go to the park. It's full of kids. Can't go past a school. Can't go to a supermarket. Where do you go? Where do you go if you don't believe he's the resurrection and the life? Where is there? When you're dying inside, when you're broken, where do you go if you don't believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Where do you go? There was a time when Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He had 70 plus disciples, not 12. And they left saying, who can bear this? He turned then to the 12 and he said, you guys go in too. And Peter said, you hold the words of truth and life. Where else am I going to go? And today what we have is something so precious that is being presented before us. It is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He waited for Lazarus to die, that everyone there could see who he was. And sometimes in our lives, he waits for us to die, that we will know that he is the resurrection. And once you've experienced resurrection, there's nothing you can't face in the future. There's nothing. Because once you know he's the resurrection and the life, you know no matter what. There's a four days here, he's coming back. Jesus, they, they murdered him, they crucified him. Three days later, Wagwan. He's back. And you have to understand that you may be dying, but there's a resurrection. And I'm not just talking about eternity, I'm talking about here and now. I'm going to pray for us. Father, you you are amazing and you are wonderful and you came flesh and blood and Jesus and you revealed who you are with these bold offensive statements which led to your execution and this one probably one of the most shocking 
Jésus, the resurrection and the life. You waited for a friend and a man you loved to die. That those around and also him and others would know that you are the final say. That you are the giver of life. You are the restorer of life. And today we have come and gathered together. And you want us to know one thing. That you are the resurrection. You are about resurrection. And you want to bring resurrection to each one of us. And that maybe today we need to be born anew that we need to receive you afresh maybe the first time maybe again maybe in our set situation and experience maybe God we need to hear this today because in two weeks time a month's time a year's time ten years time we're going to experience death in a way that's going to just kill us but we know that you are the resurrection of life and that you have the final say and you are good and we can trust you Holy Spirit, would you come this morning? Would you meet us exactly as we are? And would you empower us to experience your resurrection in Jesus' name? Amen.